All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is February 25th, 2020, otherwise known as the first day after the NHL trade deadline here in Detroit. Two trades being made, one on, well, early Monday morning, I guess you could technically say. I was still awake on Sunday night when it happened, uh, but one late on Sunday night and one midday on Monday. Not bad for Stevie Y's uh, first trade deadline with the Red Wings. We'll get into all that, tell you what it means, as well as get into what happened around the rest of the league. But for now, I am Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi, here today with my co-host, Ethan Smith. Welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. How's it going for you? It's going great. How's the audience? Do, do you think I get a collective sigh from the audience when I ask them questions and I can't hear them respond? I'm assuming yes, especially when it's something so open-ended as how's it going. I know. I'm going to get this down. Yeah. If you're going to ask the, the audience a question like that, I mean, you got to go as the ju- door of the Explorer route when you ask them a yes or no question or like a hard, like a one-word answer, and then they can then you have to like wait for a pause to for them to yell it at you. That's the door ex- the Explorer yeah. route? Yeah. When she's like, do you see the, do you see Swiper? Where is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it now. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. You get it. Trade uh, deadline. Yeah, this, this podcast is already going extremely well here. Uh, <laughs> Off the rails already. So, Ethan, what do, what do you think of what the Red Wings did today? Uh, obviously, shipping out Mike Green late on Sunday night and then making a move for Andreas Athanasiu to get him out of town uh, on Monday during the day, both to our old friend, Kenna Holland. So, shout out him. Uh, what do you think of the trades? I liked them. I mean, it made sense. Everything made sense. I guess, I think picking up Brodziak just as like a salary dump and a fourth round pick or a fourth, yeah, fourth round pick for Green. I mean, I just, well, it it makes sense. It makes sense that Trevor Daly wasn't traded because that's what we got for Green, you know, and Green's a puck moving guy. Why well, wonder what Trevor Daly's thinking right now? Honestly, I mean, probably not much. I, I you would <laughs> think that, of the course. <laughs> you would think that. Uh, I mean, he probably gets the situation, you know, uh, in the sense that he probably knew that there wasn't going to like a great chance that anybody was going to be super interested in him. In him, but he has a no movement clause, and uh, you know, they say squeaky wheel gets the oil. He probably only would accept a trade to, like, Tampa Bay or something. Right. <laughs> no, I'm only going where it's warm. And, uh... Sunny. Yeah, but that goes with warm. Like, I'm only going somewhere where, where it's warm, and there's no state sales tax. Yeah, I like that. Florida or Tampa Bay. <laughs> So that return for Green, like you were talking about, is that conditional fourth-round pick now can be a third-round pick in 2021 as opposed to the fourth-round pick in 2020. Should the Oilers uh, make the conference final, I believe it's this year, don't bank on it. It's probably going to be a fourth. Uh, and then, like you I think there's another stipulation in there, too, that Green has to play half of the, at least half the games in the playoffs. Yes. Yep, that is also in there as well. So uh, we got that. And so then, it's going to be a fourth-round pick. Likely. Uh, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep thinking about the fact that it could be a third round pick until my brain not. my brain will explode if Edmonton makes it out of the first round. 
just out of sheer fact that I never thought this day would actually happen. I mean, they made it out of the first round in a couple of years. They, all, they were a game seven away from reaching the conference final like three years ago, three, four years ago. I know we've we've just been fans. Me and Nolan have been fans of Edmonton since what two thousand nine, and every single year we just go, "Do you know what? This is the year. This is the year. We're gonna put it together, and they're gonna make it to the finals." Yeah, since like tenth grade, we've been trying to be ahead of the curve on the oil, like what on a- the front of the Oilers bandwagon before it even gets going, oh. and then it, it just we the train the has still has not left the station. <laughs> oh man. Almost a, a full decade later. Yeah, we were we were in charge of putting together the actual wagon that the band gets on, and we just don't know how to put together a wagon. Yeah, the wheels keep coming off. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at following instructions, especially printed ones. Yeah, it's like we have like knockoff IKEA instructions. So it's literally just a picture, but all the letters or all the numbers are all just random. So you don't know where to start and where to end. And now Ken Holland's there, so. Uh, you know, the, you know we the, told, the we, manufacturers of the of yeah. the pieces and who who's carrying out the instructions. You know, we don't really trust that guy. We don't really like him. So I don't know. And quite frankly, like the entire like state of hockey knew that Ken Holland was going to at least pick up one guy from the Red Wings. Oh yeah, but, and those were like well, besides picking up Tyler Ennis too. Those were his only moves. I mean, the Mike Green trade uh, surprised me a bit, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I think everybody saw the Athanasiu one coming. Uh, by the way, in case we haven't touched on it, Andreas Athanasiu gets back Sam Gagne, a second in 2020, and then a second in 2021. Also, Ryan Kufner uh, from the Red Wings getting sent along in that deal. So uh, I thought yeah. that was a really good – I thought that was fine. That's I did great too. value for Athanasiu. I see a lot of people criticizing the deal or criticize yeah, surpri- criticizing the return. That surprised me. That really surprised me. It surprised me too because I don't think that uh, like his his trade value this entire it's at an all time high right now. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. And still, like people wanted more for him, but I think if you would have told anybody two weeks ago. That this was the return they were going to get for him, and yeah, I get they keep like leaning on the fact that he was a thirty goal scorer. But at the same time, this is a gamble for Edmonton. This this has potential to be a rental for them. Now, what is the relationship between Andreas Athanasiu and Ken Holland? I don't know. We know Ken Holland likes Andreas Athanasiu. I'm not sure if the feeling is mutual. Who knows how the rest of the season will play out for him? He'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this year, but. He's going to try and get paid. He is going to try and get paid. And good for him. And I'm excited for him. And here's the thing that I think... Th- this is where Ken Holland has leverage. Steve Eiserman is not going to pay Andreas Athanasiu. So he can say, okay, listen, Steve. You know you're not going to be able to re-sign Andreas Athanasiu. Or you know you're probably not going to re-sign Andreas Athanasiu. <clears throat> we know that his mere presence in your locker room causes a little bit of unrest in the media and the fan base, et cetera, et cetera. There's some leverage there. No, there definitely is. From I mean, what I've been reading from people is that Athanasiu wasn't really fitting into Steve's long-term plan for this organization. And the way, I mean, being a minus 45 isn't going to get you paid. 
and Anthony Sioux knows that if he's stuck around on this team, that he wouldn't. He would be getting, you know, he'd be going into free agency as a restricted free agent. He's going to ask for more money than Steve's going to get him, or going to give him. And maybe, I mean, could could have been an offer sheet or something in there, but from what I think, Holland is in more of a place to, you know, he's also taking over a team to bring in new faces and one that people ideally would think would work with a guy that can skate as fast as Connor McDavid. And I think to like to that point, I guess that's kind of what I was saying is there's there's a sense of urgency that you can sell in that in that scenario. Now don't get me wrong, they would have gotten some compensatory picks if you know Ken Holland were to come out this summer and, and give a, a let's say a, a four year deal or a three year deal at like anywhere between two to five to five million. However, do you want to like run the headache of like going through all that? I don't know. I mean, you you get one second round pick if he signs him if he gets offer sheeted for anything below like four point one million or something like that. So you get an, a, a veteran guy that can help shore up your locker room for the rest of the year. I know you guys don't want to hear it about the veterans and Sam Gagne and you know what they're getting back on that side of the deal. I get well, like that. In, in my opinion, with that that deal is kind of just shoring up, uh, you know, just trying to f- fix a bleeding sink. Like you're trading away Athanasiu, team's already bad up front. We already lost Mike Green, so bringing in a guy that's not going to put up points but is going to be that guy that can just sit on the third line while Franz Nielsen or Valtteri Filppula gets solid second-line minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's Sam, Sam kinda, Gagne, yeah. he's you know, obviously getting up there in age. Uh, that, that part of it was probably... I'm interested, I mean, because that, that trade was probably made a little bit on the Oilers' end, too, wanting to get the, his $3.5 million off the books, so... I guess there was a little, uh, there was a mutually beneficial move to be made there as well, uh, and you know because the Red Wings pretty much just have unlimited cap space, and uh, I mean really that that is kind of a way that you're able to work things out at this time of year when you don't have a lot of assets, you give teams cap relief. So I think Steve Eiserman did the best with what he did or with what he had. Uh, it's not a first round pick, but. Andreas Athanasiu this year, he hasn't been a first-round pick type player. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And uh, I think I think all in all, Steve Eisman did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have one first-round pick, three seconds, and two-thirds in this upcoming draft. At the next year, we have another first-round pick, two seconds, and two-thirds. I mean, that's that's how you rebuild right there. Now, take me through what went on in the rest of the league today, because I know you had your finger on the pulse pretty, uh, pretty tightly. Oh yeah, I was, uh, I was working for most of the day, so I couldn't, you know, keep up with all of it. I caught most of it, but you got a, you got a pretty comprehensive list. What was the thing that kind of stuck out to you the most? There's uh, um, a couple teams that really stuck out to me this year, at the at the deadline, and it was um, Ottawa trading Nemestikov and. Um, Peugeot, yeah, Peugeot. The haul for Peugeot. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think the haul for Peugeot got people. I think that is what set expectations. What what did Ottawa get for Peugeot? A first round pick, a third round pick, and a prospect. So I saw that. That went down this morning. I saw that on Twitter, and everybody was kind of having a fit. And even I was like, oh, wow. Like, even in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, okay, I wonder what that means for what the Wings are going to get for Athens to see you. So I think if, like, 
they said a big stipulation as to why Peugeot got so much, or Ottawa got so much for him, was because the Islanders had ta- had spoken to Peugeot and knew that there was going to be a deal in place to extend him. So it's not like he they're overpaying for a rental. They just paid a first and third and a prospect for a guy that's going to be on their team for the next five years. And I think a lot of Red Wings fans right now would like to be in this situation that Ottawa's in because this is what the Red Wings try to do for this upcoming draft. And it's what they it's what Ken Holland was able to do in drafts past too. Like let's not like let's be fair to Ken Holland where it's due. He was for the years that they were openly tanking and not trying to win, he did pretty good with his deadline moves. And uh yeah, I mean th- this they're they're set up pretty nicely right now. This is what a rebuild turns into. Ottawa's got 14 picks in the upcoming draft, and three of them are first-round picks, and two of them are locks to be bottom five picks. That is how you rebuild. Yeah. I know it sucks watching 90% of your team leave. Like, I saw a tweet today that um, Anderson and Bobby Ryan were the only guys left of that 2017 cup run. I think the most astounding... I mean, that's crazy. The way that the Ottawa Senators, I would, I would, you know what we should do sometime? We should have the Ottawa, Locked On Ottawa Senators guys on here because I would love to talk about, and it's, it's in much, much, much different scales. But one of the things I've been thinking about lately with the Red Wings is like how for a quarter century, like if you just look at their work over a quarter century, they were by far and away outside of the New England Patriots, the most dominant franchise in professional sports, like just in the totality of it all, to four or five years later coming out of that window and being the worst team in the NHL salary cap era. The Ottawa Senators, not really that similar. However, they were a game seven away, a game seven away from going to the Stanley Cup final in 2017 and uh i mean things turned around and things fell apart for them so quickly so quickly it was a mess too like it wasn't even just like a hey guys you know got a couple unrestricted free agents no there were wives making fake accounts there is like the the owner uber driver people the uber like there are so many horrible things that went that franchise had to go through so it's nice to see them have two picks in the top five (laughs) in this year's nhl draft yeah, well, I wish I could be the Red Wings. I think if anybody deserves it, it's the Ottawa Senators. But you're right. They did get uh, a lot better today in terms of their future. Now, you mentioned Chicago. I know probably you guys aren't really interested in too much of Chicago, but they did uh, They did make some pretty impressive moves today, uh, shipping Robin Lehner out of town like you were talking about yesterday. They, got, they only got Malcolm Subban, a second-rounder, and a mid-level prospect for him, and they also traded Eric Gustafson for a third-round pick. So they got a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a mid-level prospect for their two trade chips. So it's nice to see Stevie Y working his magic. And I uh, and not Stan Bowman because Stan Bowman stinks and I don't like him. He ruined that team. They had a good thing going. Here's what I, I think. And he ruined it. Good. Uh, here's You're what right. I, here's what I'm thinking this time of year. I think. Like when it comes to first and second round picks, I don't like. I just think that 
any cost to get them is like reasonable. Not not any cost to get them is reasonable. Let me backtrack that statement. I think second round picks are a lot more valuable than people think, but a lot less valuable than other people think. And what I mean by that is there are some people who look at second round picks and say, oh my gosh, this is a guy who's definitely going to play on the team. There's a lot of other people who look at it and say, well, I mean, if you look at just like the second rounds of any given draft, how many of those guys ever turn out to be anything spectacular? But the thing is, on any given year, there will be a couple names sprinkled into that second and third round of the NHL draft that have become superstars. And that at the end of the day, the most important thing is making sure that, and I'm stealing a phrase from uh, our friend Matt Shook at the Lockdown Pistons podcast, but you want to have as many bites at the apple as possible. And don't forget that Steve Eisman took Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov in the second and the third round of their respective drafts, people. Exactly. He is a wizard. When it comes to scouting and all of that other stuff, absolutely. I don't, I, I don't, and you know, I, it's, I was going to say, I, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to the Red Wings thing, but I do because this is a Lockdown Red Wings show. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. Uh, I think that that is, that is where Steve Eiserman really works his magic. I think that there's a lot of other areas where he's, you know, an elite GM, but I think when it comes to identifying talent, Nobody does it better than him. And uh, in that second round, there's going to be a lot of guys who teams would be high on if not for maybe a little one or two things. I, I mean, Iserman's thing when he, he was in Tampa, at least when he first got there, with you know Kucherov and uh, Vasilevsky was the Russians. He kind of reintegrated scouting in that part of the world when he got there. They had, I, I think it was one of the most comprehensive scouting departments on that region uh, while he was there, and look what happened. They end up getting those guys, uh, and not that not that it's ever better to have, you know, picks later than earlier. But at the end of the day, I think that Steve Eiserman is somebody who can be completely trusted with those assets, and so to me, that's the most valuable thing. The, those draft picks are more valuable in Steve Eiserman's hands than they are historically throughout the NHL. It it really just does excite me to see what happens these next two two years throughout this rebuild. Because, I mean, it took Kucherov two years to get in the NHL, and then he went he put up like 40 points, and then he put up 90. And then last year he won the Art Ross uh, Hart Trophy. I mean, it's, he's the best player. In, he's one, He's top five player in the NHL. Yep. And that team's putting it together right now, too. Yes, they are. They made some They're moves today. Rolling. Yes, they did. I don't know what they are. Well, they signed Zach Bogosian, who uh, his contract was terminated by the Buffalo Sabres uh, a couple days ago. So uh, they set him up, and actually Buffalo is another team that you want to talk about, no? I just don't get what's going on in Buffalo. They're six points out of the playoffs right now. They picked up Wayne Simmons for a fifth-round pick, which is which Great is trade. Fine. That's which a great trade. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, what are they going for? Yes. And they also traded Connor Sheary back to Pittsburgh, along with Evan Rodriguez, who asked for a trade earlier in the year. And they got Dominic Cahoon back, who is a good player, but I just I just don't get what's going on. I think they're just trying to provide Eichel with more scoring because, I mean, he's the only player that has any points on that team. So it's, I understand. I, 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 they get rid of Bogosian, and then they sign forwards. 
<laughs> or trade for forwards. And they're six points out of a playoff spot. And there's only 19 games left in the year. Yeah, I mean, Bogosian's a guy who, you know, at his price rate, they he wasn't necessarily working out to what Buffalo had hoped this season. And I think he also wanted out in that price range of $5.1 million a year. I, I think it was pretty difficult for the Sabres to move him. So at that point... Uh, I guess you kind of just cut ties when you gotta when you gotta make some roster moves. You gotta make some tough decisions, especially when a guy goes, "Hey, I'm not going to the AHL." Yeah. Now what? Yeah. Speaking of the AHL, clearing waivers. I mean, it's bad segue, but Red Wings did make a, another move today, signing uh, Demi- or claiming Dimitro Timoshov from the Toronto Maple Leafs off of waivers. He was uh, he was picked up, I believe, this morning. So another move for them uh in this trade deadline and that's that's just another thing adding that forward depth doing something to shore up i'm sure the loss of andreas athanasiu this kid kind of excites me he put up almost a point per game in his first year in the qmjhl and then he was injured the two years after that he was still putting up over a point per game first year in the ahl was quiet like zadina was this year he's putting up Almost a what he's got fifty points in seventy games. Yeah, forty nine points in seventy two games with the Marlies. And he's got thirty four games in the NHL with the Oh with sorry, the, that was that was twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen in the AHL. Oh, was it sorry? Yeah. He uh he's been with the Maple Leafs this entire this so far this entire season. Uh but just nine points in thirty nine games, so not too much production wise, uh, a point every four games about. You know, he wasn't playing top line minutes. And with a guy that's skilled like this, you have to give him that chance. And I think with I hope with Athanasiu gone, that that really opens up an avenue for this guy to get a chance. And I think they're gonna they ha- they have to give him a look. He's he's his contract is expiring after this year too. Just give him a shot. I'd love to see what he what he can do. Yeah, I mean he's only twenty three, I believe. Uh, I mean fifth round pick in in two thousand and fifteen. Haven't seen too much of him, but when. He came over to North America, uh, you know, to play in the AHL for 2016-2017. He has steadily gotten better. 24 points his first year, 34 his second year, and 49 after playing all of last season in the AHL. Uh, the Red Wings looks like just beneficiaries of a, a team who has been struggling mightily offensively, had to make some moves around deadline time, and he was the weakest link that had to be cut. Uh, tried sending him down to the AHL, and didn't work out for him. Sometimes it's good to be the worst team in hockey. You get the first, you get you get the cream of the crop with the waiver wire. That's my fantasy uh, approach, pretty much every year. Losing week one on purpose, get that first first look at the waiver wire. That, that's where the that's where that's where the season's won and lost. The week one waiver wire. Hey, you know, and maybe that's where Steve Eiserman wins the Stanley Cup. This to me, like the the Timoshoff signing, it's one of those things where. It reminds me a bit of the Fabry trade, where it's a guy who's young. I mean, I think they're both 23. Uh, a lot of upside has proven that he can he can play pro hockey in North America, but hasn't really gotten the chance to, uh, or but just needed, I guess, a change of scenery at this point in time. And uh, who knows? Maybe it'll maybe he'll he'll start picking it up like Robbie Fabry did. That'd be so cool to see. I just want to see Heisman win at everything he does here. I know, and like it, it's it's funny because like it, we make we talk about it a lot like blind optimism, but at the same time, like you see, you're starting to sense a pattern with these moves. Yep. You're starting to look at that and say, "Oh, okay, that's because of this and this." Ken Holland, I don't. You never really felt that way. I don't think. 
No, it was more of just trying to keep the streak going. And then when he committed to a rebuild, I mean, he was only here for another full year after that. So there really wasn't much that we could really see in his in his vision of what he wanted to do. But at the same time, we got Stevie now. Baby, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I don't mean, you know, I feel like uh, I'm comparing like a new girlfriend to an ex-girlfriend when I come on here and I talk about Ken Holland, Stevie Y. But that really is what it feels like. And uh, I mean, Steve Eiserman has the, the possibility to make our dreams come true, bring everything that we've ever wanted to this life to fruition. And so I really don't think it's that much of a stretch. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Can we talk, we, I want to talk about one Chris Kreider re-signed with the Rangers. Okay. Yeah. Shocker. That really didn't surprise me. No, it will. I mean, we kind of touched on it a bit. It was like, I think they had two guys to sign, and I mean, Chris Kreider ended up winning. I think, I think, like as it, it, the deadline approached, it looked less and less like they were going to sign him. But then that kind of picked up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, and then after that, they in order to clear more cap space, they traded Brady Shea to Carolina for Carolina's first round pick. That's huge. A big move. They also traded Eric Hollow, Lucas Walmark, and two prospects for Vinny Trocek. And that's another huge move. And they picked up uh, Vatanen from Ottawa for a prospect and a second-round pick. Yeah, the Rangers are loading up. I love what the Rangers are doing right now because a couple weeks ago, the Red Wings played them their first two games after the All-Star break. And we had the host of the Lockdown Rangers podcast on this show. And this is at a point where the Rangers were right in the thick of things for a wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. They weren't there. They could have easily. I mean, right now they're kind of they're kind of out of it. They're in seventh place in the Metro. But I think at that time when things started to slip away, they could have easily said, "Okay, we'll retool. We'll try and sign somebody. You know, we'll figure something out." And I mean, for all intents and purposes, they still are right in the mix, only seven points I mean, out really of third place. But I love that I love the long-term vision and the restraint to say, okay, yeah, we could probably fight for a playoff spot this year, and we're still going to try like hell, but we're not going to sacrifice the chance at winning a Stanley Cup in two or three years for for an eighth-round spot, which I pray, and I mean, I don't pray. I have confidence that it'll happen, but that's what you want to see, I think, if you're rooting for a or if you're rooting for a team that's kind of starting to come out of a rebuild i just i love it and on the other hand too you can say that's exactly what carolina did too in terms of rebuilding and now they're going for it yeah picking up vatanen trocek and brady shea with brett pesci being out for a little bit i don't think the injury is that bad and they didn't pick up a goaltender either but they have two really good goaltenders and one's from this area too nadelkovich Mm-hmm. And that's a, and they have two capable goalies in their farm system too. So I mean, they the fact that they have the confidence in those guys and then went out, went out and loaded up on the roster. I'd love to see Carolina go deep this year. I like Carolina. Well, I mean, and, and they got Dave Aries, so you can't forget about that Absolutely. either. Absolutely. Oh man. Yeah, if they need him come playoff time. They can always. Uh, we should get Dave Aries on the podcast. We should. We should try to do that. All right, yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna cut in like this a part. month or in like a month or two, where he when he's not getting as much yeah press and stuff we get like in that. There after. Just slide in the DMs and be like, hey, hey, how's it going? We'll we'll get in after like he 
found a place to hang up his hockey night in Canada towel. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, it's already been, like, the display was installed and all that other stuff. Like, enough time has passed for him to stop, like, freaking out about it and say, I can't believe that happened. But, like, still be pretty psyched. Right in that sweet spot. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, any, any, what is it? What's it? What, what's the, what am I trying to say? Maybe any, we can convince him what to. what is good something. What was it? Any press is good press? What? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, all hey, press is good press. Hey, hey. Come on the podcast. Maybe we can convince him to just sign a deal with the Red Wings. Sign a deal with us. Oh, yeah, to like be on the show. Yeah. He can you be made, our emergency me, backup you made, yeah, podcaster. You made me sign a contract. Our EPUP. Our EPUP. Our EPUP. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough for today. Uh, <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed this trade deadline recap. We were thrilled to see the Red Wings made some moves. Uh, honestly, not too much crazy stuff going on in the rest of the league, but I think for all intents and purposes, it was a pretty entertaining trade deadline. My sentiment about that would have changed dramatically had Zach Parise been dealt to the Islanders, but that's a different conversation for another time. Uh, all in all, thoughts on the thoughts on the trade deadline? It was fun. fun. I listened. I listened to it all day. I listened to Trade Center from eight o'clock until three thirty. Beautiful. I was at my desk, had it all queued up at 7, then right when 8 o'clock came, it came out automatically. I'm like, it's trade deadline day. Here we go. Well, that's what it's all about, folks. We hope you join us tomorrow Living for our here. episode with uh, Locked On Tigers host Chris Castellani. Going to talk a little bit about uh, what to expect from his new show here on the Locked On Network, as well as do a little uh, co-commiserating about our two awful, awful franchises that we are supporting at this point in time. So be on the lookout for that. We'll talk to you guys after that on Thursday, because that's what we do with the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, your team every day.